everybody, it's Emily Nagoski and Amelia Nagoski and you are listening to the Feminist Survival Project 2020. We are here to help feminists live with confidence and joy inside their bodies, even if they feel overwhelmed and exhausted by everything they have to do and yet still worry that they're not doing enough. We want to talk about evidence-based strategies for coping, even in the midst of this nightmare. Mm-hmm. The impeachment has begun. And I remember listening to a Sarah Vowell audiobook in which she talks about her memories of the Nixon impeachment. And as a young child saying to her mom, Mom, Watergate's on. <laughs> and I imagine that a lot of people are going to have a relationship with the news coverage of the impeachment that many people had of Watergate or indeed the O.J. Simpson trial and the Clinton, Clinton impeachment. impeachment. People get like sucked into the constant yeah. news coverage and feel like they can't get themselves out. Yes. So when it comes to separating the stress, like they shouldn't let themselves out. Feel like they don't have permission. Yeah. They couldn't if they chose to, but they don't choose. They don't even want to choose to. So we want to talk about how people make choices around their news consumption and how you can figure out what the right news consumption is for you. Let's begin by talking about our choices. My choice is to consume little news, minimal news, and only to choose specific outlets. And which outlets do you choose? I am a paid subscriber to the New York Times and the Washington Post. I don't, though, just like sit and read through them. I go and I look at the headlines of like, what's the big important thing that's happened now? I spend maybe 10 minutes on that a day. I watch Rachel Maddow. It's a thing my husband and I do together. It's like some shared TV viewing time. And that's really it. I'll also click on some articles that I might see on Facebook if somebody posts something that looks interesting. But I, I, I just kind of don't. So that's a level of exposure that you feel like does not suck you dry, mm-hmm. does not get you like trapped in a vortex. Mm-hmm. If I had that level of exposure, I would definitely be sucked in and trapped in a vortex. Oh, I have way less news exposure than that. Mm. I shut off news on my phone. Mm-hmm. I, You shut off news on your phone? Yeah. Oh. So I can't unless I very deliberately go, go look. looking for it. Oh. So there's no, I can't just stumble upon something. Mm-hmm. I get most of my news from Stephen Colbert, <laughs> the late night monologue, mm-hmm. which is like nice and sugar coated. It's like a, a Flintstones vitamin C tablet, <laughs> basically like, yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> it came with a spoonful of sugar. Yeah, it like was a, a spoonful sugar. of sugar. Yeah. yeah. And then there was a tiny, tiny bit of, yeah. And yeah, so- I did have more news exposure. I watched Rachel Maddow pretty much every day until uh, Babies in Cages. And then not even she could make that tolerable to my literal physical body. Could not cope with exposure to how terrible it was. And this all began literally the day of the inauguration. I had to turn it off because I couldn't. Like, I couldn't. And I knew that about myself. And I can feel it in my body when I begin to get sucked in. It feels very much like an addiction where Mm -hmm. if you expose yourself to a little bit, it takes over and it's all you can do. Yeah. And so like I have to abstain completely. Yes. I feel like my 
rage storage is so minimal that as soon as I have a response to the news that is like, oh, I can't even, I, I walk away. I don't feel drawn in. I feel repelled. Oh, yeah. No, I, I feel drawn in. And so I need to have a way less news exposure than you do. Ah, uh, that's why then. So we're choosing from what sources we're going to receive our news. Mm-hmm. We're choosing how much news exposure we get. Mm-hmm how much time we spend with those sources and we're choosing how frequently we engage with those sources. Yeah. And for me, because increasing news exposure makes me feel desperate and despairing without changing my moral principles, without changing my priorities, without changing what it is I can actually do to contribute to the solution in the face of the nightmare. It does not do any good for me to know the details of precisely how terrible it is. It just does not contribute to whether or not I'm contributing in any way to making the world a better place. In fact, it reduces my capacity to contribute. It ties me down to the couch so that I cannot get up and actually do my work. Yeah. So I was having this conversation with a whole bunch of friends and colleagues at a conference and every single person that I was talking to had a strategy. They had like, I get this five minutes of headlines that I listen to on a podcast every day. It's a mm-hmm. five minute podcast. Mm-hmm. People were like, I get the email with the headlines from the New York Times. And sometimes I read those headlines. Sometimes I don't. I almost never actually click on any of the stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was enough for them. So everybody's got a strategy. Right. Think about who you're willing to hear it from, how frequently you're going to engage with them and how long you're going to engage with it. Yeah. And be aware of what your response is when you're overexposed. So we're going to be asking you to email us, feministsurvivalproject2020 at gmail.com, and tell us what strategy you're using. And we're going to, in the show notes, as we hear from you after this show comes out, we're going to put links to the things that you find helpful. Like, if there is there an app that you use? Is there a show that you watch that you find is non-harmful to you? So that we can gather those as a resource for other people. Yeah. But also we want to talk to you about uh, recognizing in your body how to know what too much news exposure feels like Mm -hmm. so that you can cut yourself off. Yeah. And to talk about this, I want to bring in some language from a contemplative Buddhist practice. And let me say first that I know that it's a little bit like I want to bring in the idea of accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior (laughs) as an analogy. I know I'm applying a religious principle to a secular thing and there are problems with that. And I'm going to do it anyway Mm because it's really useful. So don't think that this is a comprehensive review of this idea. Feel free to Google it if you want to. It's very fascinating and really powerful in a lot of different ways. But it's called Shenpa, S-H-E-N-P-A. I learned about it, as most people who know about it learned about it, from Pema Chodron. She describes it as feeling hooked. 
where there's some sort of vulnerable emotional place in you that something in your environment catches on to and you get hooked, you get sucked, you get dragged down into the vortex of your own emotional internal experience. So if your partner has a particular thing they say or do that just every time they say or do it, it's not just that it irritates you, it's that it like takes you on an emotional journey of all the things that are wrong in your relationship or your life or you. That's Shenpa, you got hooked. Something inside you got activated and took you further down. So when I expose myself to too much news, it's like a magnetic pull, right? If I get too close to it, I just get trapped in it. Shenpa, I get like hooked by the feeling of it. And I, I need like very little exposure in order to prevent myself from just getting sucked into the vortex. Sounds like you can tolerate a greater degree of exposure and actually, when you get exposed, you're repulsed by it. It doesn't suck you in. Yeah, I do get hooked by things in that Shen Pa way, but news doesn't usually do What do you that. get hooked by? Um, more emotional things. There's TV scenes or uh, just not news. Yeah. So if you notice yourself getting hooked, it's going to be extra important that you set boundaries or else you will be sitting at work in front of your computer if in front of a computer is where you work secretly watching yeah. C-SPAN yeah. <laughs> at your desk, which there are worse things to be doing at your desk. But what else could you be paying attention to? And think about the opportunity cost. What could you be doing with that energy instead that would, first of all, be you actually contributing to the thing you are here to do? That is to say, the thing that is your meaning and purpose, your something larger that we talked about last week. And second of all, also think about what am I doing to my body right now? Is my adrenaline level activated and my heart rate activated and my muscles are getting tense? Think about what you're doing to your cardiovascular system to stay in that sustained state of stress and not able to do anything. The stressor here, the line that's chasing you is the federal government. Yeah. We may be fortunate enough to have listeners who are like lawyers as part of the impeachment process, in which case we have a whole different set of advice for you, yeah. <laughs> but begin at the beginning with the podcast. Yeah. yeah. But for most of us who are not actually involved not directly involved. in the impeachment. We can't do anything. We can't change. I mean, we could call our representative, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. But like, we're not going to, that's maybe five minutes of your life. You You're don't not need to watch four hours of news coverage. In order to, first of all, know that you can call your representative. Yeah. It's not going to change how you vote. No. So those are the internal experience side of choosing how you consume news. I want to talk a little bit about the external pressures and the expectations that people feel. Yeah, that's your job. That they stay informed and engaged. And yeah. did you read this story? And oh, did you hear that XYZ happened? And oh, did you read that last tweet? And did you hear about what somebody else said? We have this expectation that we're going to be engaged, we're going to be informed. Let's talk about the broader historical context of that, because <laughs> this is so fucked up. We, in 2019, are experiencing news in a way that no one has ever experienced it before. Even the two impeachment processes, though, no. were, mm -hmm. they didn't have the internet. They were, they were televised, but they weren't social mediaed. They weren't 
on 24-7 and on six different networks all the time. This is strange what's going on now. This is not how human beings were meant to engage with their environment. Look, the idea of news has been around a long time, publishing papers and traveling and telling stories of what happened. 15th century. Yeah, absolutely, that's been a thing. And the invention of the radio means that we can hear like a news broadcast, maybe once a day or twice a day. Same thing once television's invented for a long time, for like the whole 20th century. Half an hour of news. You watch the news at six and then you turn to something else or you eat dinner. Like that was it. It's <laughs> no, Sorry, just trying to make it a little lighter. No human beings before us <laughs> have ever had to check their news consumption and monitor how the news makes them feel. So the fact that you feel like you don't know how to do this, of course you don't know how to do this. It's like learning how to fly. Human beings have never done this before. You are the Wright brothers of news consumption awareness. Yeah. We're just figuring this out. So don't feel like, well, how come I don't know how to do it? Everybody seems to have all their shit together. Like, no. No one knows how to do this yet. This and there's no new. good answer, right? So yeah. in my group of friends and colleagues who are talking about all the strategies they have. Well, there's have, no one answer. Yeah. Every every choice you make is a compromise of some kind. And someone's going to have an, a, opinion. an opinion about your choice. Yeah. As one of my friends said, yes, I feel guilty about not watching the news, but guilt is better than despair. Mm -hmm. That is the trade-off. It's a cost-benefit analysis of what is the cost of doing this? What are the benefits of doing this? What are the costs of not doing this? What are the benefits of not doing this? Think through these variables that we've been talking about in terms of what is the cost-benefit and don't forget your body mm -hmm. and recognize that what's happening in your body deserves a voice in your decision, not just other people's opinions. Yeah. Can we talk about the idea of it being a privilege not to watch the news? Yes, because I wrestle with this a lot. I feel, I feel some feelings about not watching the news. I know that I live quite a comfortable life. I live in the country. I, I have a husband. I'm white. I have a lot of privilege. And the things that happen that are happening now are happening mostly to brown and black people, mm -hmm. to gay and trans people, and poor I, people. I, poor, the, and these are people who are in my life who I love and I know are suffering under these autocratic decisions that are being made by this shit show of a government. But I, I also feel like I'm not going to be in this game. I'm not going to be available to do anything if I have just been dragged to the ground by this overwhelming quantity of news. So I feel like it's enough for me to stay as informed as someone from the 1950s. I'm aware of what's going on. I'm aware of when there are opportunities for me to do something to contribute, but I'm not obsessing over every detail and I yeah. have concluded that's enough. I am still having feelings about the fact that I made that decision, but it's all I got. I think that because my feelings about the news are more existential, because the work I do is directly related to the policies that are being destroyed by this administration, outside the actual corruption, there's just the 
terrible, destructive, misogynist, racist policies Mm -hmm. above and beyond the actual, like, corruption collaboration with foreign enemies. Oh. And so my exposure to the news, like, I do this for a living. It's my job Mm -hmm. to think and talk about women's reproductive issues and stuff. So when I see these things being destroyed on a daily basis, I see my work for the last 25 years mm-hmm. being destroyed. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't doesn't help me do my job better. There are some people nope. in my field who benefit from staying really on top of the news, staying really informed about the details of what's happening in these policies. And I am not that person. I'm a person who stands and watches at a large scale mm-hmm. and does education for professionals. Yeah. So my difference in my choice has to do with my relationship to the content of the news that's very specific is it i had never thought about it being very specific because i should say all the friends and colleagues i was talking to about shared this experience they were all sort of in the health education-y type areas where they're like mental health educators and yes yeah (laughs) reproductive health educators and physicians yes but like the national parks being shut down and lack right. of funding for scientific offices, that's that's people's jobs. I know people who were laid off during the shutdown. And I, I feel like it's my mm, connection to these issues is broader than just the health things. Yeah. So, yeah, your health thing is, is, is specific. So you're. Oh, well. So what you're saying is that you're personally connected. Yes. I'm like. No, I'm, no, no. You're personally connected to the topic news stories, to like a whole bunch of range of different issues. Yes, more a wider range of issues, yes. Whereas I am identity tied to a a specific range. Oh. Like it's my my something larger. They are attacking my something larger. And the thing is, (laughs) here's my thing. There's no such thing as a conversation about climate change that isn't also a conversation about reproductive health and women's rights. And there's no conversation about women's and reproductive health without also talking about racism and financial access. And Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. they're all connected and tied together. Mm -hmm. So it's like a spider web. Like you feel a twing in one place and it's a twing everywhere. Yes. It's all interconnected. The universe is all one. To conclude, you want to identify your source that you feel comfortable receiving it from, how much time you want to spend engaged with that source, and how frequently you want to expose yourself to that source. At the same time, you need to make decisions about how you're going to navigate the cultural expectation that you should be engaging more or with a different source, uh, and you're going to have some rage and some grief about that. You're going to have to complete the stress response cycle of dealing with the feelings that come from the decision that you made and the requirement that you have to defend it. I have feelings about the fact that we have to do that. Yeah. Because there's the feelings that come from the news, and that's hard enough. Yeah. And then there's the feelings we have about our choices of whether or not and how to expose ourselves to the news. And we have to do with those feelings. And here I am having feelings about that second thing that's like meta, meta feelings. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. So we want to know, we're collecting people's ideas of what feels right for them. We want to make sure you feel like deep down there is no right or wrong choice. It's just the one that's right for you Mm -hmm. these days. Mm -hmm. And you know what? If the thing that works in your life is staying glued to C-SPAN and watching every second of it, 
go for it. If that's what works for you, do, what you, do you. Yeah. And we don't just mean in terms of like having the information. We term, mean in terms of like Emotionally noticing engaging. what's happening with your body and making sure you're caring for your well-being so that you can survive 2020, which is, again, the point of the podcast. Whole point. Yep. So let us know, uh, Feminist Survival Project 2020 at gmail.com. We are going to look for a catalog of ways that people get news that feels right for them. And how do you deal with the expectation that you should be engaged in a different way? And have you been in the position of judging someone else's decision to disengage from the news? Do I'm you, interested in yeah. what's, what's up with that, judging someone else's decision about the news. Are you actually judging their global engagement with the issues? Or is it really about watching the news? We want to know. This is a short sort of emergency episode in the face of the beginning of the impeachment. Oh, God. Here we go. Yay! We need a song. Well, here's a song about what it feels like when you're not doing what other people think is right, but you know that it is. Unruly Standing in the fire that fuels me Burning, breathing, brandishing my power While you whine that you find me Unruly 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 So rounded by the people who truly See me, know me, love me and cheer me when I play for my own team Unruly 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 And that is this week's Feminist Survival Project. I am Emily Nagoski. And I'm Amelia Nagoski. If any part of this was written, it was written by both of us. If any part of it was produced, it was produced by my marital euphemism. And any music is by... Amelia. You can follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at FSP2020. And yeah, seriously do email us at Feminist Survival Project 2020. We want a catalog of ways people are absorbing news or not in ways that work for them and their bodies and ways that they fend off the cultural criticism that they should be doing it differently mm -hmm. because God forbid you actually be doing anything right. If you found any of this helpful and you want to help somebody else, please do feel free to share it. And thanks for listening.